This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. My thought in, in this whole direction is not that we're not to thank Him for these things, not that we're not to give Him glory and praise and thanksgiving for what He does specifically in our life, but beloved, if that's the only time you praise Him, if that's the only time you worship Him, is when your requests are fulfilled, then suddenly you're creating a God after your own image. You're creating a God that jumps at your command, a God that is controlled by your puppet strings, rather than realizing that we are His creation. The Word calls us to bless the name of the Lord daily, even on those days when everything seems to be going wrong, when we may be feeling anything but blessed. But it's not about our feelings. It's about the majesty of our God. If we only praise Him during the good times, we miss out on who He really is. That kind of self-focus clouds our ability to draw nearer to Him and denies the greatness of our Creator. He is worthy of our praise. So proclaim the truth of His majesty and sing of His righteousness. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 3, with our continuing study entitled, The Blessing of God's Choosing. As we begin to get into the heart of this epistle, we see that Paul here is giving the church just a small taste of the description of the riches that are all of ours in Jesus Christ. The churches in Asia, particularly at that time, they were spiritually and materially impoverished. They, it, it was not a good time. They were under the oppression of the Roman government, and also, as well as the government oppression of the church, they had also the oppression of the Jewish leadership that was around them at that point in time. Most of the church there was made up of both Jewish and pagan converts together. And each one of them brings into the mix this, uh, again, their own struggles, their own areas of, of conflict, and they even had conflict with each other. And that's one of the reasons Paul tells us a little bit later in Ephesians how the Lord has broken down that dividing wall between the two, and he's made both uh, as, as one man. These were men and, and women and, and young people that were continually living under fear, continually living under oppression, even depression and discouragement, probably because of all that was going on in their lives. If they were human, just as we're human, when you have that amount of things coming upon you, there's no doubt that there were some that were living in the midst of that uh, uh, depression or that discouragement that comes from so often the attacks of the enemy. Many of them were still serving as slaves to their owners, and in all of that, Paul writes the book of Ephesians to reveal to them the, the glorious riches that are theirs. And even today, you and I need to be reminded of the fact that the, the Lord has placed for us these glorious, these blessed riches. Because of all the distractions that we have in the world, we need to be continually reminded to set our hearts and our minds away from the things of the world, to set our hearts and minds to meditate the greatness and the majesty of our God and to literally tap into those spiritual resources that are ours, that are found in Christ. And so Paul begins his letter with this great doxology, this great praise 
but it's also a summary of what he's going to share in the rest of this letter. We've already started verse 1 and verse 2. Today we're going to be in verse 3. We're going at a breakneck, breakneck speed, and I hope I'm not going too fast for you. And uh, if we uh, need to know, we're not going to slow down. We'll actually pick it up here. But this morning I do want to once again uh, be slow, be, be precise, and and be directed as we begin this epistle to, to get us in the right heart and the right understanding. In verse 3, we read these words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I love how he doesn't say with, with limited spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. With every spiritual blessing. These these next several verses, all the way down to verse uh, 14, but uh, even as we go on, but in particular, even in these next few verses, we see the reality, the truth, the necessity, and the continuity of the, of the Trinity, of the speaking of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We speak of God the Father as the one who saves and blesses us. We see that in verses 3, verses 4, and verse 5. We see how also Jesus Christ, the Son, is the effective part of that salvation, and we receive it through Him, and we see that in verses 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. We also see how the Holy Spirit is given as that effective proof of what the Lord has done and of the salvation that's accomplished. We see that in verse 13, and then a little bit later we see the guarantee that is brought to us down in verse 14. God the Father, as the one who's responsible for all, deserves the focus of our blessings. Amen? In the reality and the truth that it is all about Him. Getting our thinking off of ourselves, and it's so easy to bring our focus to ourselves, but getting our thinking off of ourselves and onto God allows us to be able to see beyond ourselves to be able to see beyond our weaknesses, to be able to see beyond our limitations, and yes, to be able to see beyond our failures, and to be able to see beyond those things that would separate us, at least in, the, in, in, in mind and in fellowship with the Lord. If we get our minds off of ourselves and get our understanding and our thinking and our worship to Him, when our thinking starts with us, catch this, when our thinking starts with us, we're always limited. But when our thinking starts with the God of all creation, guess what? Eternity is our limit. And beloved, that's limitless. But you know, you and I, we're, we're temporary. We're, we're, we're mortal. We're, we're, there, there's only so much within us. There's only so many capabilities. The most talented of ones that we have, the most most uh, uh, capable and able. Able? Yeah, that's a good word. We'll use that. <laughs> Of those that, that, that receive this, there is still that limitation. We can only move within ourselves. But when our hearts and our minds are focused, stayed on the reality and the truth of an almighty, all-powerful, immortal, eternal God, beloved, there is no limitation to that. And that's why my first point in this one little verse we're going to look at is that God is blessed, and we should continually bless Him. God is blessed, 
and we should continually bless him. Another phrase that we find throughout this whole letter, as, as Paul writes, he says, to the praise of God's glory. The praise of God's glory. We're called to this continual praise, to this continual glorification of our great God in all areas of our lives. That's what we're called to do as believers. And he's shown his greatness. He's shown his worthiness of our praise in so many different ways in the world that's around us. We can't help, really, to give him glory and praise if our minds are stayed on him. And it's not because he's some celestial egomaniac that says, you will praise me or I will wipe you off the face of the earth. No, that's, that's the ideal, and that's the thought of the pagan gods. They say, you praise me and I'll make sure that your fields are, are good. You praise me and I'll make sure that your families uh, grow. You praise me and I'll make sure. No, that's not the attitude of our God as much as the reality is he is so worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. And when we understand, when we grow in that understanding, and beloved, our, it just as a natural outflow of our lives would be this praise and this worship because of the greatness of His splendor and His majesty. The psalmist has declared to us in Psalm 34, 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, the only way that that's going to be there is if we're thinking about Him on a continual basis. If I'm all about myself, if I'm all caught up in my situation, that's not going to be my heart. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13 verse 15 tells us, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Yes, not just in mind only. But out of our very lips, out of our, out of, out of using our voices as those instruments of praise. As we go into Ephesians to again assist us to be able to first and foremost focus the reality of the worship that we need to have toward God. I want to take a time to, to look at a particular psalm that we have. It's Psalm 145. And we're going to be back in Ephesians, but I want you to look at Psalm 145 with me, if you would. A great psalm of, of just praise and worship to our God. Psalm 145 is just 21 verses long. We're not going to expound upon it, uh, not very much anyway. You guys that know me know better. Uh, but uh, I want to draw your attention to it says that it's a praise of David. So that works today, right? My, my name's David, too. So. <laughs> he says in verse 1, he says, I will extol you. I will exalt you. I will lift you up. I will praise you. That's what that word means. I will extol you, my God, my O King. And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. It says in verse 4, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. It's your responsibility. For those of you who are, have reached the age of adulthood, brother, 
wherever you're at at that age. But uh, it, it is our responsibility to declare verbally the greatness of our God to the next generation. It just blows me away when I hear of parents that say, well, we're going to let our children find God on their own. We don't want to push this on them. Beloved, we are called to declare it to the next generation. That's our responsibility. The reality and the strength of Christianity is only one generation strong. And if that generation fails, you know what? Oh, woe be to the next generation. We are called to be proclaimers of the truth. It says, I'm going to praise to that next generation. We're going to declare your mighty works. Verse 5, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. Oh, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. We are called to be witnesses to the world that's around us. That means to be witnesses to those, yes, that we work with, those within our neighborhoods, within our schools, within our families. It says we are called, we are called to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. That's all of us. That's not just the, the pastor's job. That's not just the church leadership job. That's the call of all of us who proclaim and declare the reality and the truth of salvation through Christ. He goes on in verse 13. He says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall. Anybody in here fall lately? The Lord is your strength. The Lord is the one who upholds you. He says that he raises up all who are bowed down. Now it's one thing to bow down and worship, but I really believe that this bow down is the reality and fact of the weight of just the world, the weight of our own foolishness of decisions, those things that just weigh us down. It's the Lord that's able to raise us up. He says in verse 15, The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways, gracious in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. You know, there's one thing that you and I need to notice about that psalm. He didn't ask for a thing. It was just all praise and all worship. 
There's another thing that we need to notice. Though in a very general sense, he says, Lord, you, you, you feed and, and you care for all of your creation. Not once in all of that psalm did he say, thank you, Lord, for helping me pay that mortgage bill last week. Or, uh, Lord, thank you for even healing me at that point. My thought in, in this whole direction is not that we're not to thank him for these things. Not that we're not to give him glory and praise and thanksgiving for what he does specifically in our life. But, beloved, if that's the only time you praise him, if that's the only time you worship him, is when your requests are fulfilled. Then suddenly you're creating a God after your own image. You're creating a God that jumps at your command. A God that is controlled by your puppet strings. Rather than realizing that we are his creation and we are to worship him just simply because of the reality of who he is. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances that we are surrounded with. Because we need to get our eyes, we need to get our uh, thoughts, all of this process out of the situation of the circumstances that we're in in order to be able to worship him fully and truly and completely. Otherwise, it is such a selfish worship. Oh, I love you, Lord, because you have taken care of me. Back in Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. I don't want to negate the reality that he does bless us. But I believe that our focus, first and foremost, needs to be on the reality and the truth of just who he is. So my second point is, his blessings do abound in our lives. All that we are, all, all that we could ever be, is in the hand of this great and mighty God. And we need to understand that. The spiritual blessings that we receive by the hand of God are because of our relationship with and through Christ. These spiritual blessings can't even be compared to the worldly or the earthly blessings that we have. Spiritual blessings transcend the, the temporal. They're, they're, they're not of this world. They're not dependent upon any earthly thing. They're independent of all of our worldly circumstances. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Are you catching that reality? That's the only way that the hope of this gospel message can move from a middle class, 21st century middle America to the slums of India and still be strong and true. It's the only way that this gospel message can move from people who have relative freedom to those who are enchained because of their faith in Christ. To understand and know that, man, the spiritual blessings are ours, yes. Oh, it's ours because I've got that new house, because I've got that new car, because I have clothes to wear, because my bank account is full. Oh, how blessed I am. No, that is a blessing, and yes, that's fine. But you need to understand that the spiritual blessings are much, much greater than even that. Why Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. And he's not talking about being in... Arkansas or Tennessee versus Arizona. And just does it. That's not what he's speaking about. He's talking about the condition that he's in. Whether he's abounding or abased. Whether he's prospering or whether he's, again, absolutely flat broke. And where we read here that he's blessed us with these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, you need to understand that when Paul wrote that, 
He didn't say heavenly places. He says in the heavenlies. We sometimes confuse this when we think in the heavenly places as being the pie in the sky, by and by. Well, eventually I'm going to be able to be a recipient of those spiritual blessings, but right now I'm on this earthly place, but I know that when I die I'll be in that heavenly place. Now, the understanding that we have of this, it's not just the, the, the reality of the dwelling place of God. No, it's in the spiritual realm. And whether you understand it or not, you need to come to understand that right now, today, all around us is the spiritual realm. We can't touch it. Most often we don't see it, but that makes it no less real. And the spiritual realm that is all around us, not only are the blessings of God there, but there's great battles that are going on right there. We need to be at least cognizant of that. All that we actually see, all the things that we can actually hold on to, all the things that we can actually touch right now, we need to understand that's all going to burn up one of these days. It's going to be gone. And yet so many, even as believers, we put so much of our energy, so much of our focus, so much of our drive, so much of our passion on the things that are just simply going to burn up and perish with their use. Rather than understanding that, we need to be investing in eternity. We need to be investing in the spiritual realm. Those things that are and that will continue to be. All of this is temporary. A lot of times we measure a man's blessings by the size of his bank account, don't we? We measure a man's blessings by the amount of his worldly possessions. We measure a man's blessings, even from God, by his physical or mental abilities or her capabilities. Oh, he is so blessed of God, or she is so blessed of God. Look all that's going on in their life. I want to change your thinking. Can those things be blessings? Yes, they can be, but sometimes they can also be a curse. I mean, we hear story after story of people who have won mega million dollars through the Powerball. I'm, please, don't, don't throw your money after that. I'm, I'm reminded of the uh, proverb that says that a fool and his money are quickly departed. Uh, but if someone suddenly comes on this great windfall of money, more often than not, we read the stories of how it destroys their lives. It destroys their families. It destroys their focus. Friends, uh, they have to separate themselves. The drive, that they suddenly just a few years later, even though they may have received multitude of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars, just a short time later, they're, they're broke. You see, the most important things in the mind of God are those things that aren't materially measured. Once there was an old man who lived in a tiny village, and although Poor, he was envied by all because he owned this beautiful white horse and even the king coveted his treasure. A horse like this had never been seen before. Such was its splendor, its majesty, and its strength. And people offered fabulous prizes for this steed, but the old man always refused. This horse is not just a horse to me. He's a friend. He's not a possession. How could I sell a friend? But the man was poor and the temptation was great, but he never sold the horse. Then one morning he found that the horse was not in the stable, and all of the village came out to see him. They declared, you old fool! 
We told you that someone would steal your horse. We warned you that you'd be robbed. You're so poor. How could you ever hope to protect such a valuable animal? It would have been better if you had sold him. You could have gotten whatever price you wanted. No amount would have been too high. But now the horse is gone, and you've been cursed with misfortune. The old man responded, Oh, don't speak too quickly. Say only that the horse is not in its stable. That's all we know. And the rest of it is judgment. If I be cursed or not, how can you know? How can you judge? Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to TheOpenWord.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard The Open Word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word... David will continue teaching through God's Word. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.